0: All right, so um, I have some different episodes coming up and since this is my own podcast, I have the luxury of um, doing what interests me. And so I have been thinking about just what life in America is like these days and just the different perspectives that many of us bring to what it means to be an American. And so I'm going to talk to a few people about what life is like for them in America um, from a few different lenses and different experiences. And so um, this first conversation is completely unedited. And so you just get to hear the two of us chatting with each other um, about what it's like to be Asian American in the United States with my friend Rachel. And um, I'm gonna have a couple other ones coming up, but um, it is November 6, 2020 in America. And so I thought today would be a good time just to um, upload this podcast and get it out there because some of us may need a bit of a distraction. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Rachel. All right, so, today I have my first American friend on my podcast. And Rachel and I were both fellows together with the US State Department. We were in different countries. She was in Indonesia and I was in Japan. But we got to meet a couple of times at conferences and things. And now we're in a book club together. So, we still have gotten to get to know each other a little bit more. And so through hearing, you know, Rachel's thoughts and comments um, over the months, I thought she would be a good person to have on the podcast to share her perspective because she is Asian American. So uh, welcome, Rachel. Thanks for being on this.
1: Thanks for having me as your first American. I know.
0: It's such an honor for you.
1: Yay. (laughs) So if you just
0: want to share like where you are now and maybe a little bit about your upbringing.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently back in Madison, Wisconsin, where I was born and raised and I lived here for the first 22 years of my life. And then I've been traveling um, and teaching English and living abroad for most of the past few years. Um, and then find myself suddenly back um, in the U.S. Hmm. Uh, because of pandemic reasons.
0: Yeah, 2020 did not turn out to be the way we anticipated.
1: Yeah, I definitely did not expect to be back at home, um, but it's been actually a, like, Really helpful, which I can get to later. Um, but a little bit about me. So my family comes from Taiwan, China, and Japan. So I've usually been identified as Chinese American um, because that's the most closest, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, although that's not totally accurate because of lots of complicated family <laughs> history. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure. yeah, and then. In Madison, when I was growing up for the first 10 years of my life, um, I was in extremely majority white contexts until basically middle school and high school. I had more friends who were also um, kids of other immigrants. And uh, so, but I feel like those first 10 years were really informative because I was always the only Asian in my class. And I had like the weird lunches, you know, where we are different <laughs> until I was like, I'm not going to bring lunch from home anymore. Like what
0: was in your lunch, right? I'm curious. I mean,
1: like, um, uh, like rice porridge. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that would be definitely <laughs> odd. For not like your pb and Yeah, exactly. So that's what I had. I told my mom, I was like, I don't want to bring other food. Just give me like, I, Basically, I switched to a jelly sandwich because I didn't like peanut butter at that time. So it's just like (laughs) PB&J without the PB. Just the J. It was like, Mom, I want a J sandwich. (laughs) And then I just had that for a while. And then I had like the school lunches. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like it's hard when you're growing up and you're like different, you know, in Mm -hmm. some way. And also, yeah. I was really short um, and also very shy, so it didn't help to be, like, pointed out all my differences. And right. so I definitely grew up, like, wanting to be like everyone else. Um, sure. And so... Um, I can I that, ask about yeah. your, is it parents or grandparents? Who
0: who came first from Japan, Taiwan, China?
1: Yeah, so my mom is from Taiwan, and um, my dad's mom is ethnically Japanese, but she grew up in in China um, because she was adopted by Chinese parents after World War II. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, but my so dad. Your, your dad grew up here. No, my dad grew up in China and then he came. So he came for grad school. So both my parents came for graduate school and they met in Madison. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay, so Chinese-American.
1: Yeah, I guess like Chinese slash Taiwanese slash (laughs) Japanese-American would be a bit more complete. But yeah, it was interesting because growing up, like my other Chinese-American friends would go and visit their relatives who would be in China. And I always felt like I hadn't been to China or mainland Mm -hmm. China specifically Um, because my extended family was mostly in Taiwan and Japan. Hmm. So, yeah, that was also different. So you mentioned, like, the lunches. Was it also
0: difficult, just in general, making friends when you were, you know, really young? Or or was that...
1: Yeah, I think that I mostly read a lot when I was growing up because I was really shy. And I think that I always had the mindset that I was like different and you know being like looking physically different
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um whether it's being Asian or short or whatever is like one way to feel like you don't belong when you're growing up um but also I think it was kind of like a mindset thing where I felt very shy and like everyone else was like the cool kids and I was mm-hmm. like the not cool one, you know? So it's hard to say if it was really just. Which is something most, Asian or a not, lot of kids you know? experience yeah, no matter exactly. where they're
0: from, but you had an added, yeah. It's yeah, hard that's know a which, good which way was to which. put it.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: So now that you are an adult, um, what would you like to share about just your general perspective of being an Asian American um, I don't know if it's changed over time or if it's changed, you know, in, in this year, 2020, I have some friends who are Asian American and this year has been a little rough for them um, with
1: the Everything China connection to, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So they've experienced discrimination in a way that they never have mm. in their lives. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just in general, like, what is your perspective as an Asian American, Yeah. as an adult?
1: Yeah, I think that they've definitely shifted over time. So I guess I'll start at the beginning, like growing up, it's always it's like there's an age like the stereotype of an Asian and it's like something that you're always compared to growing up. So you're either like not Asian enough or you're like Mm -hmm. too Asian or or even like when I'm talking with other Asian Americans, someone will say like, oh, I'm not a good Asian like hmm. implying like, "Oh, I should be good at this because I'm Asian. can you give an example and, like um, yeah, I just like uh I think I heard someone um say like, Oh, um, I wasn't good at math, so mm-hmm. I'm not a good Asian, or like I didn't uh grow up celebrating this or like speaking mm-hmm. my parents' language at home, mm-hmm. so I'm not a good Asian or something like that. Okay. Um, and then, like, when I was in Japan, I cut my own bangs, which was a mistake. <laughs> Never a <laughs> like, good bored. idea. Yeah. <laughs> that. But that was the first and only time I've cut my hair. So, you know, I've learned from my mistakes. But <laughs> I got bangs. And then um, my friend, who's also um, Chinese-American, was like, oh, you're so Asian. Or you look so Asian. Because you had a bad haircut? No, because I had bangs. Oh, and because I guess you have bangs. bangs is something that she associated with Huh, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Chinese yeah. People. With um with huh. like being with an Asian person. I guess maybe bangs are more common in Asia. I don't know. Anyway, there's like all these little things that like people internalize, like even my Chinese American friends or whatever, that they're so getting always, it from like, this
0: comparison. From all sides. You're getting it from Yeah. yeah. That's like
1: growing up it's like, oh, if I got a good um, score on a test, people would be like, Oh, it it just felt like upholding a stereotype. But then if I Because you worked hard. Yeah. Or like I mean, yes, I worked hard, but it would also be like, Oh, it's just feels like reinforcing that stereotype like Asians are good at school or whatever. But then if I didn't get a good score on a test, it'd be like, Oh, you're not Asian enough or I would like get have pressure from my parents. Like, why aren't you succeeding?
0: Man, that's a really tough spot to be in.
1: Yeah, it is, really. So um, I think that part of why I... So I first taught in Japan. and So I think, you are an English teacher like I am? Yes. So yeah. I teach English to speakers of other languages. And um, my first experience as an assistant language teacher was in Japan, where I think that I, I went partly because I wanted to live in another culture um, and I've always loved learning languages um, but I think also like looking back and reflecting on it I was also wanting to connect with my heritage in a way mm-hmm. um, and also like kind of feel a sense of belonging and then mm-hmm. I realized that when I went and lived in Asia then I didn't have to live in that like box of like being mm. not Asian enough or too Asian because everyone's Asian, so you don't have to constantly measured you know
0: um, so people never said that you weren't Asian enough, like if they heard your English accent or if maybe your Japanese wasn't good like they didn't they didn't look down on you for that
1: um I think that it was appreciated that I had a connection with my mm. grandma who is ethnically Japanese um and then uh I think that in general Japanese people appreciate when you like try to speak Japanese yeah, make only, an because, effort yeah like everyone appreciates <laughs> sure. when you make an effort <laughs> right and yep. because uh I wasn't exposed to a lot of or I was exposed to a lot of Japanese so my Japanese improved a lot and I learned a lot about the culture just from um, being around and I think being interested in it, you know so Mm -hmm. yeah so I never had anyone uh, tell me that I was like not Asian enough and people didn't really ask questions like where are you from? Oh, in Japan, they don't ask any person. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah, which is great. Of nice. a lot of, a lot yeah, of exactly. Because, yeah. like, that no. where are you from, like, not having to deal oh, with that is like It is the yeah, worst question. It's hard. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I, so, like, one interesting thing is that I noticed when I was living in Japan or in Asia for the first time was, like, I took, so I took piano and violin lessons growing up, like, Um, And that is, like, stereotypically Mm -hmm. Asian-American. And so I don't like to tell people that because I feel like it is reinforcing a stereotype. Um, And and I, like, if I tell people, if I told people in Japan at my school, like, my coworkers or whatever, they would be like, oh, wow, that's so great that you play violin. And just that was, like, not very common because I think a lot more people did, like, Woodwinds and brass because it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to uh, transport and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and then I met one person who had lived in, uh he was Japanese and he'd lived in the US for a bit. And then when I told him that or mentioned that, he was like, that's so Asian of you, you know, like, or <laughs> <we're> like Asian American. Because <laughs> he was like familiar with that stereotype that like a lot of Asian Americans do. Uh, take piano and violin lessons and I guess maybe specifically like East Asian Americans Um, Mm -hmm. but so that was like really interesting where I only am conscious of that stereotype really when I'm around other Americans or people who know uh, American culture I guess and but then there's like the other added challenge where it's like I do have to deal with being compared with the idea of a stereotypical american so like as an american teacher Hmm. of english but i'm not white or of european heritage um there is that measuring um in what way just like i feel like it's easier to be uh like taken seriously in some ways, or seen as an expert when, uh, like especially like white males abroad, oh, yeah. especially in Asia, isn't that the white truth? White males in Asia, isn't
0: that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, so I'm you sure feel you like know because you weren't. Talking about. Oh, I 100 percent know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've got both um you're a woman and you're not of European heritage so you felt like maybe that you didn't have as
1: much credibility off the bat yeah I think that it's um it's helped me like being Asian in being Asian American in Asia has definitely helped me be more accepted quickly I think I feel like it's easier for me to assimilate um people don't uh I think, I think it's easier just to become part of the culture in some ways. Um, Hmm. But yeah, I think that sometimes, um, like, like my students in Japan, after, you know, a couple years of teaching there, um, like some of them still told me that my English was really great, you know, and I don't think that's (laughs) something that they would have said to like a white American. So how did you respond? To that, um that was like that a uh like a written comment. Mm-hmm. Um, like like a last um like message like an exit ticket type of thing for the semester. Got it. So I didn't really um have a chance to respond chance to, to that. Respond. Yeah, and I also don't know. Um I guess I would if I if someone said that to me in person, I guess I would be like um Thanks. I, your uh, Japanese is so good. <laughs> <laughs> like Indian, a good or response. like your Indonesian is so good. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, how have your feelings shifted over time as a Chinese American? As as you've come back, you know, you've gone abroad, you've come back, and and I know just in talking with you the last few months, like. It's always hard to come back, right? Yeah. And find our place kind of Yeah, in, what
1: is back? Culture, it's but, almost like a moment right. in time rather yeah. than a place. But yeah, um so I so I moved to Asia to connect with my heritage and feel that sense of belonging and I realized that in in Japan, China, and Indonesia in those specific places in the cities that I was in, I didn't stick out visually. So I was able to blend Mm -hmm. in and I wasn't, I didn't have that feeling of like being the only Asian in the room. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes I felt like a spy. Like if I don't say anything, I can pass for like Mm -hmm. a local and have this like Mm -hmm. secret identity of not being from here. Um, But then I think that led to me like not wanting to say anything because if I said something, then people would know that I'm not from there. Hmm. And, and also just like having this extreme desire to assimilate and want to be like everyone else. And I think that's related to when I was growing up and wanting to be like everyone else. Um, And so that's like kind of how I felt before. And I think that this year, there's been a lot of shifts in that because or maybe over the past couple of years also um, doing this fellowship and being in Indonesia. Um, so like most recently moving back to the U S during a pandemic, I had a lot of reverse yeah. culture shock. <laughs> uh, and, and the, I think the added thing was that I had to deal with suddenly having a race again, because like when mm. you're, when you can fit in and you look like everyone else, it's like, you're like the default and you don't feel like you have a race because you just like look like everyone mm. else so then when I came back I was like oh yeah I forgot that I'm like Asian <laughs> <There's> this again <laughs> yeah and right. I have a race and it's
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: definitely not the best time to be Asian American in the U.S say more about that. (laughs) Yeah so I was really worried um, like after we were evacuated from our fellowship um, uh, because I was seeing a lot of news and it was a lot of Asian Americans being targeted for the their appearance and because of COVID-19 and it was just really scary to worry about if I was going to be targeted because of my appearance, like in my hometown or in my home country, and it made it feel very like unsafe coming back. Mm. Um, and luckily...
0: On top of all of the other feelings about being unsafe, like just with the virus itself, you had a whole other virus. Yeah,
1: I was wondering if I would feel safer in Indonesia where I look like everyone else, but there maybe is not as much healthcare available um and Mm. like medical equipment and things like that um versus being in the u.s if you had had the choice to pick
0: staying in indonesia or coming back to the states during a pandemic which would you have chosen i know that's a hard question (laughs) one i didn't prepare you for i
1: i don't i mean i think things worked out like for the best um because I was luckily able to get insurance, uh, health insurance in the U S because of the pandemic and they extended some like circumstances. Um, But that was something I was worried about because unfortunately we don't have health insurance for everyone. Um, And that is American. (laughs) Um, And that is something. And and then just navigating the healthcare system has been um, in general, very, complicated like getting a flu shot was complicated as a native speaker of english and so i just mm. keep thinking about the times that i went to like i had to go to a dermatologist an ophthalmologist and i sprained my ankle this was all in japan and i could do those in my oh, no. terrible japanese because it was as easy as just like showing a card and like this is my national mm. health insurance there was card.
0: no like red tape yeah it was
1: very easy and it it wasn't like here, where I tried to get a flu shot at three different places and they were like you can't do it here even though I'd called on the phone and checked mm, so mm-hmm. um yeah I think that it was an extra consideration that I had to deal with and I I think that was unique to Asian Americans who were abroad during this and then coming back specifically mm-hmm. because of the pandemic um And also, it made me realize that before I grew up with this narrative, like, if you work hard, you'll achieve more. Like, my parents always, you know, stressed that and, um, you know, the whole American dream. And we didn't talk Mm -hmm. about race or discrimination with my family or my friends growing up. And I felt like it was not really, it was like there, it just wasn't consciously discussed. And Mm -hmm. so then coming back during this time made me realize, like, I'm always going to be treated differently in the U.S. because I'm not white, and that's the majority, and that's something that is, like, that's what people are going to see, I think, first, you know? That's going to be the most prominent part of my identity in the U.S., and so I felt a lot of parallels with Black Lives Matter, even though it's different for Black Americans. Hmm. But I think there's mm-hmm. more empathy and allyship because of this commonality of being publicly targeted because of the color of our skin. Um, and so I think that that I think that's changed things. Um, and yeah, i and talking about like. How feelings have shifted over time. Um, I think that when I've so far, I've been like searching for like the next place, like maybe this place Mm -hmm. will belong or like the next place will be. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, and like I think that partly because I'm back at home and I've been reflecting, and partly because you we can't really like think about the next place right now because there's nowhere mm-hmm. else to go really <laughs> um, yeah so I think that I've had to kind of confront like where I am personally now and physically mm. and I guess mentally mm. but like wow. I A think lot. I realized that I finally realized that no matter where I go, I'm always going to be the odd one out because of my identity as an Asian American, but also because of my experiences, um, you know, Mm -hmm. being, living in all these different places. And so I'm always going to be compared with other Asians and other Americans because I'm like, Neither somehow like neither and both at the same time mm-hmm. like I'm Asian mm-hmm. I'm American and I'm Asian American and it can be tiring and really frustrating to like constantly have to explain my identity or to like justify my Asianness yeah. and Americanness but it is pretty cool to be able to like navigate both parts of this identity and I think that mm-hmm. I'm finally coming around it's funny because like I'm always reading children's books to my students and the message is always like be yourself and it's okay to be different (laughs) but it's like really hard to internalize you know yeah so it's taken me a really long time but I think that now that I'm like I've accepted that I'm not gonna fit into like one box or the other and I'm not like looking to then it's like if I don't belong in a specific place or in a specific box then I can belong anywhere and Right, definitely a mind shift from before and surprisingly I think I did have to come home to like be full circle and like analyze the start of everything with like all the experience Hmm. of the middle and be able to realize like the reasons that I've been constantly leaving or running away are also Hmm. like the reasons why I keep thinking about like the next place. And now I'm finally thinking about, like, the present and where I am now, if that makes sense.
0: That's huge. Yeah. That's a huge place to arrive to. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah.
1: So it actually has worked out, I think, uh, I mean.
0: Especially those first few weeks. No, you were actually busy the first few weeks. I wasn't. But, like, there's been a lot of time to just kind of sit with things this year at least yeah. for those of us that don't have kids <laughs> yeah yeah sorry for those of you who have been really stressed but yeah there's been some time for extra reflection and kind of figuring out how we feel about where we are and
1: yeah I think that for us too like um travel is, is like an easy distraction it is and it's just it's just like a way to
0: self-soothe, yeah. right? You just <laughs> yeah, like totally, it,
1: yeah. It's it's like just another way to distract, and I know that it is a very privileged distraction, um, right? Yeah, but it is something that we've had to do without, and I think that that has allowed more time for reflection.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: I appreciate the
0: the time for reflection, but I will be so happy when I can set foot in another country again. Yeah. That will be a happy yeah, day. Yeah, definitely.
1: Sure. And I think it'll be interesting and we'll appreciate yeah, exactly. it more. It'll be nice to see how it is traveling with um um less of a like wanting to escape and more of like a yeah, and being present.
0: Um, Well, thank you. This was, I really enjoyed hearing all that you had to say. It was really helpful to hear just your experience and and how you view things and how you've shifted over time. I think it's just so interesting, um, your journey. And thanks for being my first American.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm really glad that I got to share the story of my full circle journey. I love it. (laughs) There and back again. You should... (laughs) You should write a children's I book. I know. I'm like I'm like Bilbo. There I'm back again. The English. I'm <laughs> a <laughs> Asian American teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So I am road tripping across Tennessee right now, so I apologize for any um, background noise, but I hope that you enjoyed that podcast episode with Rachel. Um, I could talk to her forever about these things. I find them really interesting, so I hope that you did too. Um, As I mentioned at the beginning, I have a couple of other people lined up that have some different perspectives about life in the U.S., so I hope that you will um, tune in for those as well, and um, I hope that you're all doing well and you're safe and healthy wherever you are in the world and um, thanks again for listening